Welcome to R&R Showtime with Robert and Ryan. And today is the Batman episode. We will be talking about the Batman, the movie that just released recently with um, what's, uh, what's Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Robert Pattinson uh, as Robert as Pattinson, Robert Pattinson. Um, and uh, at the end, if uh, the show's not running too long, we will do a uh, top 10 Batman films. If it does time. run long, then we'll make it a separate episode. Go ahead and listen to that one, too. And the Batman will be included in our ranked list. And we'll give more details on that when we get to it. But for now, let's start talking about this 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 uh, movie. It's called The Batman. The Batman, as opposed to Batman. Or Batman the movie. <laughs> we have to distinguish them somehow. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so this movie technically releases today. However, we got to see it early at a... a, a the fan, fan, the fan screening event yeah. where they had to shut the theater down early. Yeah, you know, kind of forgot about the fact that a gunman killed a bunch of people uh, at the screening of a Batman movie. How the Dark Knight Rises. Ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to a midnight screening of that movie. Yeah, but so I, I was not in that location. Yeah. Um. So jumping right into it, Ryan. What is your just based off of uh, us having just seen the movie? What is your letter grade? My letter grade. Um, so at my, my immediate reaction letter grade would have been probably slightly higher. Um, and I may actually adjust it back up, but I, I, I just trying to be like, avoid some level of recency bias on this, but I'm going to say a minus maybe just straight a right now. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, I I think s- immediately walking out of the theater, I was wanting to be more critical, but but as I come up to this point, I would agree with a minus. Yeah. Um. And I I'm not totally surprised at that. And there are some. I do have a few criticisms. Yes. Um, but this movie really hit some marks for me, and I think it worked really well with many of the things that it did. The one thing that. I've tried to avoid um, uh, coloring people's expectations of the movie by saying it's really good because I do think it's really good. Um, and, and I just try to keep telling people that it's a three hour movie, but it's worth the watch mm-hmm. and and elaborate on that. It was three hours where the entire time, basically until the end, I was not like, I, I was like, give me more. I want more of this. I don't want this to end. I was engrossed. I was entertained. There's like maybe like two. There's like maybe one part where I was like, this is dragging on a little. And then it paid off even at the part where I was like, this is not necessary. So. Yeah. So interestingly enough, a three hour movie, right? Like I, I am actually prone if it's you know a certain type of movie to be excited about that. Right. I'm like, oh, good. Give me more movie. Right. Give in some senses the uh, give the movie enough time to tell the story it wants to. I mean, there's there's so many times when you hear about like deleted scenes in certain movies, especially superhero movies that might have added something more to the movie that they decided to cut to save time. Um, and and the idea, I mean, I'm sure maybe there was stuff cut from this. There had to be. But the idea that they took full three hours to tell the story they wanted to tell. And honestly, I think it, it worked. I'm like, yeah, good. I, I don't know how you could have done as if. if they had cut parts of this story out. It might've seemed less 
uh, full or complete. Yeah. So I think either either they needed all this runtime or I mean, it, it just works. So three hours is fine with me. And I mean, again, I'm, I'm actually fine with watching a three hour movie. Um, so, so, so do we want to try to avoid spoilers at first? And then once we get to a certain point, spoilers free. I think I, I don't want to go over the plot of the movie uh, too detailed, but we do have to talk about those things. So there are going to be some spoilers. Uh, be aware, but I will try to avoid giving Let, away too many. Things. Well, let's try to avoid spoilers at first so that people who haven't watched it can listen to a point. And then if we need to get to spoilers, we just say, all right, spoilers from here. on." Yeah. Uh, OK, so I let me start with one thing that I think was a huge win with this movie uh, soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, the, the, the sound and I like the, mo- the, the usage of that Nirvana song in particular. Mm-hmm. I, I believe it's in at least one of the trailers. So I, I, when it started playing, I was like, oh yeah, I recognize this from the trailer. And I just think it's a very good way at setting a mood. Yeah. This, this, uh, movie has multiple scores and uses of songs that truly set the moods, including the Nirvana song. They also at certain points are playing Ave Maria. Which, yes. Oh, which I, yeah. Set this kind of like eerie sort of tone uh, and and this beat that they have the score to some of the most um, you know, high action or most like tense moments that, that is kind of like defines the movie a little bit. It's just I can't really remember it right now. And the way that the Ave Maria like pays off towards the end mm-hmm. like again not wanting to give that away quite yet but it, it, it there's just a scene where it's used at the end and i'm like oh this this makes uh it, it's just really really satisfying usage of the music and the sound yeah so this the mu- music throughout this truly like sets the mood as you're watching it and and really elevates what you're seeing on screen and that was one thing i couldn't every time i, I kept watching it i was like man the score is great right now i kept thinking of it and it, I, I don't know. I just wanted to point out that that's one huge win for me. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree. Another thing to just sort of like say great things about is I don't think there's a single like poor acting performance in this film, especially of like the, the like primary cast, the like named people. I, everyone is doing like a like a job such a good job that like even though there's a lot of recognizable faces in this movie but i'm not sitting there thinking about oh it's this person oh they're doing a good job at this like robert pattinson i'm not I, like most of that movie i was not thinking about the fact that this is freaking edward in a cowl i was like this is this is batman yeah um i think he really embodies batman very well um I don't know if there's a third iteration of Catwoman in movies, um, in Batman movies, but there, this would be the fourth uh, cinematic iteration. Michelle Pfeiffer, Halle Berry, uh, uh, what's her name? Okay, because I, I almost didn't. Princess think of... Diaries. What's her name? Uh, Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Yeah, Anne Hathaway. Okay, of course. Yeah, she's in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. This is my favorite Catwoman that I've ever seen. So. Do you recall the Michelle Pfeiffer one very well? I, I do. I do remember that one. I remember it not liking it very much, basically. Like, think it was like kind of meh, like whatever. That's an interesting take because she is seen as one of the better like performances in superhero movies. And, and that's not really necessarily commentary on her and her acting, but it's more like uh, how I received it at, when I watched that movie. Um, I just find Zoe Kravitz's performance to be very like realistic and endearing here 
Yeah, like this is th- this you connect with. This feels like the most grounded, like believable Catwoman. Yeah, definitely. Like she's not like resurrected by the spirits of cats in an alley. Yeah, like, that that is one thing that I will give a lot of credit to, mm. and. And she has more personality than like the Anne Hathaway, which I don't I don't blame that on Anne Hathaway. But yeah, Zoe Kravitz is just uh, I think she's really good. Um, Andy Serkis is Alfred. He's not in it a ton, mm-hmm. but when he is in it, he's like acting with a capital A. Um, yes. I mean, he he does a good job. But here I want to say this leading me into maybe a criticism I have for the film is that um our father saw it with us and he made this comment of maybe something he'd saw online or whatever, but he said, people have said that it's a really good Batman, but not a very good Bruce Wayne. And I, and I would actually tend to agree. Um, yeah. And some of the interactions between Bruce and Alfred, though, I think they're trying to portray, uh, that this Bruce Wayne is different than another one. It's, it's just not like billionaire playboy, uh, charismatic person. He's like a reserved, like kind of scarred, uh, orphan grown up. This is a, this is a Bruce Wayne who, um, like, yeah, is emotionally scarred and like, has like, he, he says it as much that he's basically tried to master his emotions. And that really comes across like in his Batman, like there, there are early scenes with him and, um, uh, Selena Kyle where she's trying to like, make like a human connection to him. And he's just like responding very coldly and his interactions with Alfred basically up until a certain point are all very cold and Mm -hmm. not very like not the kind of Bruce Wayne Alfred relationship we've seen before. Yeah. And I actually like, I I appreciate the direction that this Alfred, this is actually probably the Alfred that makes the most sense because this is an Alfred who wasn't like a father figure to him. He, did not know how to father and emotionally nurture this child. And that's why he grew up to be emotionally stunted. Mm -hmm. Like other Alfreds seem like, like jovial and fatherly enough that it's weird that these, that the kid grew up. So like messed up this Alfred kind of shows that he's not like that kind of person. And so I think that explains why we get this sort of stunted Bruce Wayne. And and we get some confirmations that this is an iteration of Alfred that, I mean, we have that in some other ones, but uh, this canon is that Alfred was an ex-military and that this Alfred taught Bruce Wayne to fight. He said, I think there's a line in the movie where he says, he's like, I didn't have the wherewithal to be a father. What I The only thing I could do was teach you how to defend yourself so this didn't happen to you again. And so we, we get the kind of that he taught Bruce to fight. And and maybe not not to say he he made him be Batman, but he led him on a path to have the skills to be Batman. And we see Alfred aiding in some of uh, the code breaking that goes on in the movie. One thing I will comment about the Bruce Wayne, like this is a Bruce Wayne that's not the billionaire playboy. He's not he doesn't put on the show for the masses to like try and like like he does not do the Christian Bale thing of being billionaire philanthropist playboy. This this Bruce Wayne is so succumb and like, just like all being the Batman that it literally does not make sense that people do not think he's the Batman because he is shown as this shut in. Who's like never out. And the Batman is out. Like, like who do you, who, what do you think Bruce Wayne's doing all the time? Like he literally does nothing. People do not like, and yet they all know his face. Like he's a very recognizable person. And 
yet he's also shown to like it's such a big deal when he goes out as Bruce Wayne. So it's this sort of like weird thing where it's like they're aware of this guy. They know he never comes out. He never does stuff. And nobody picks up that it's Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I mean, I I like to think that there's probably a reason. I mean, do you know about a bunch of different famous billionaires and what their kids are doing or whatever? Like, I don't think a lot of people keep tabs on that, even if you are like a central figure of Gotham. Yeah, but like what the bad guys aren't trying to figure out who the Batman is. They're just like, like, mm, this dude's just out here, like causing trouble. Maybe, mm. maybe they are, but it's like what I mean, you could ask what kind of connections would Batman leave behind? He's, he just shows up and beats people up. I mean, other than DNA, if someone can like get a hold of his skin and test it and know that it's Bruce Wayne, I mean, there's not, there's nothing inherently that connects you connects Bruce Wayne to Batman. So I don't know. I get, I can see what you're trying to say, but I don't know that that. I mean, this this Bruce Wayne does not put up any pretense to make him not seem like the sort of guy who would go out at night dressed up like a bat. <laughs> like, uh, like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. Seems like he's like, just like doesn't give a shit. And that's kind of what makes him work. Like he rents out like a bunch of like Russian ballerinas to like go on a yacht. And that's his cover for doing Batman stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I would say maybe the fact that he seems so distant and stuff is like, why would he care? Why would he be Batman and go out and, hunt and criminals? Yeah. And I think that's kind of their idea of how to make yeah. it work. But that that is my that's my biggest issue with his Bruce Wayne. But to be honest, him, his Bruce Wayne not being like able to like fake being a normal guy just kind of makes sense in that I just attribute it to this kind of Batman. Mm -hmm. Not all Bruce Wayne's need to be uh, like playboy Bruce Wayne, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then so kind of more still on characters and acting our, our ensemble of villains. So we have a, a penguin uh, Riddler and Carmine Falcone, who's not like, you know, some big uh you know special name villain but he is he's the mobster uh yeah, so, so in many uh batman iterations so of the three i i think i appreciate the i mean john turturro as carmine falcone like he just has this presence about him like mm -hmm. in a way that like i don't think i've ever seen him be so like intimidating of a presence as he is in this movie yeah like, a lot of the things that he's in he's usually more of a comedic sort of role or light or like meek like like you don't see the, the jesus and you think oh yeah that dude i don't want to mess with him yeah but but yeah and this and without doing too much too it's not like he's like oh like some trying to be it's just that he is exuding the presence of someone who knows that they are the most powerful guy around without you know without having to try yeah and i like that i think the performance of Penguin is is pretty stellar. Yeah, well, did not re recognize it as Colin Farrell. Uh, did not realize it was Colin Farrell till the credits rolled and saw his name. I was like, "Who was he in this movie?" Wait a minute, uh, just, and, and that's a lot to do with makeup. But like, he he just kind of like it, he does a great job there. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just like hard to fight fight that. And then Paul Dano as the R Riddler. Uh, for most of the movie, you don't see him. You don't get his acting. Um, when you do, and I kind of want to save talking about this, the the specifics of this scene for when we go full spoilers, but when he gets to act without a mask on, you, you, I, I just, I just really, I, I really enjoyed it. I think he's a great actor from the things that I've seen him in and 
the, the thing is, I've seen him. Uh, it, it's like kind of a very Paul Dano performance. Yeah. <laughs> Which, and, and it's not like it's bad. It's just kind of like, I'm just like, here's Paul Dano acting like a, you know, uh, disturbed person. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, it's good. Uh, so I, I have nothing really bad about to say about it, but it's just so expected almost. I, I do think he's playing the type, but that's probably why he was cast that way. Yeah. And he, he, here's the question. Is this the best cinematic Riddler? Him or Jim Carrey? Uh, I think for what they're, I, I would say for what they are supposed to be, it's hard to put a comparison uh, <laughs> because, J- I mean, J- they, I would say, they, I would they're say completely different. They're yeah. so completely different. And the intention is different, right? Like this is supposed to be a disturbed person, but like almost a more relatably disturbed person. Like, and one thing I'd like about it is that they portray him in a way where like there are people in the world that can, that can understand like this, this could be a real person. Jim Carrey's is like this, this guy is like zany, zany insane. Like, yeah. like he is, this is a comic book, super villain, crazy. Um, and, and it's hard to not like in some ways, Jim Carrey's uh, Riddler, uh, because of how zany he is, but it's also a little too much. I would say maybe this Paul Dano's Riddler is so much more realistic that yeah, it's, it, it's it, better. It's hard to compare, but I, I I find myself preferring this Paul Dano interpretation. Yeah. Um. So like that's kind of I think we touched on many of the characters that are worth talking about. Um. And so let's let's move into maybe talking about another thing I really like just in general is the tone of the movie. Uh, and, and this movie does have a very gritty, realistic, grounded, brutal, uh, and, and yeah, and dark sort of, um, uh, aesthetic. And, and it has, uh, Ryan had said to me before we watched it, that it's, I think it has a little bit of a noir feel. And yes, very much. So we get that with, there is some, some, uh, Bruce or Batman narration near the beginning and a little bit at the end. And, I, and it does feel very much like, you know, like literally, you know, clocking a date, talking, uh, you know, which which sounds just like a, a a real detective story, like date, things happening, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it, it feels like detective notes. Yeah. And I almost wish for me personally, I don't know that it would have been that would have been the right choice, but I almost wish I, we had gotten just a little more of it, like a little more narration, like right in the center to kind of keep it like this yeah, is a story. Cause they treat it as a book. And I think I would have preferred it to like sort of, cause we spend a lot of the movie like sort of seeing him and, and we have a sense of what his mindset might be, but we're kind of closed off to the runnings of his mind a lot of the time. And it, it is hard to say whether or not that narration would have been a beneficial thing to like keep that running idea of what he has inside but having it just as bookends makes it it does kind of make you like when it comes in at the end, you're just like, oh, yeah, well, that was at the beginning. And we did not have that for like the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way so and the way that we to to kind of go along with sort of the tone of, of realism that we have here, we have a Batman that faces many of like the facts around Batman that like in Christopher Nolan's Batman's, they handled it a lot of good ways. Um, but in this Batman, it faces the facts of that. He fights guys with guns. And the, the, the solve to this is that he wears bulletproof armor and, and just tanks bullets. Like he, I mean, obviously no matter how good your bulletproof armor is, you are hitting, getting the, the impact, but you can tell like there's times he gets hit and he's like, Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's just, you know, taking that, that damage. 
what something I wanted to know, I, I, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but I did want to, because you mentioned the beginning and the darkness of the movie. One thing about this movie is that it begins very dark. Like yes. a lot of the shots, like it begins at night and we're seeing a lot of shots like in the dark and we're seeing a lot of like things with just like black voids on the screen. Mm -hmm. But with, again, that music playing that sort of like keys you in and this narration that just like makes you like anticipate something coming from the dark. And we see this many times in the movie, Batman in particular coming in from these shadows mm -hmm. and every time it, it's effective and you're just like, Oh, he, it, he just has his presence to him coming mm -hmm. in from the dark. Yep. Um, and I like how, and this isn't really much of a spoiler, but towards the end of the movie, we also get a, a literally, you know, what we see is like through the movie, I think it lightens. We get a lot of like lightning uh, through it. And at the end of the movie, we do get like a dawn scene, right? You know, symbolic of a new beginning um, coming out into the light sort of. And, and I, and I, I just like the use of that, that tone, that theme of darkness throughout yeah. the movie. Um. I would have liked more narration. That would have been cool. Yeah, uh, it would have been more noir feel. But the general tone is just so good for me. That actual noir. One thing, this being somewhat noir, having that feel. This is the movie that truly, uh, for the first time, I think. Um, I think this this gives Batman the the best iteration of the world's greatest detective yes of any and it, it, there is a joke in the movie where somebody literally says it to him somebody says you know they say the world's world great world greatest detective and and i and i love it what we see is him like literally looking at crime scenes and noticing things and picking up on stuff and and through what the riddler is kind of throwing at him doing code breaking and figuring things out and following clues and going across and investigating and i'm like this this is in detective batman like yeah like we have never really seen before most of the time it's show up to where villain is and like fight villain Christopher Nolan's Batman does do some investigating to a degree, but yeah, not to the, not to this much. It's more just like, like he's trying to figure out motives and stuff, but he's just kind of falling into the plan, which in this, in, in this movie, there's certain points where he's technically falling into a plan set for him, but he still feels like he has agency in doing what he's doing. <coughs> Like in the in the Dark Knight, you could you could argue that Batman at certain points is not acting in agency because the Joker kind of pulls a lot of strings, whereas this Batman feels like he is making choices more often, which is like to not 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 to say that the Dark Knight is bad. Yeah. But. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, just the whole tone of this film really works all the way throughout. Um, and I, it really, uh, resonated for me. So that was one reason I really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, another kind of, this might even harken back to this, this kind of connects to tone a little bit, but the way that some scenes are shot are really fantastic. Um, some of the most picturesque ones are we see in the commercial, right? So, uh, the Batman fighting in a dark hallway and the, the gunfire lighting it up. Yeah. yeah. It, I was surprised at how many shots from the trailer come like from like the last like third, like the climax of the movie kind mm -hmm. of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we also have the one, another one from the trailer, which is uh, this, you know, the car coming out of the flames and then the upside down view of Batman walking up. Now, one thing I want to say that view, that scene is very cool up until a certain point where I actually think they made a 
really terrible choice and kind of ruined it, which is, and, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not really that big a deal. So I want I want you to hold that. Um, I, cause I think we're about ready to go into spoilers and I have thoughts on that scene as well. So I just want to sort of touch on one thing before we just okay, go, yeah, go give to, spo- full spoilers is, and this touches in on the tone, uh, superhero movies, Batman movies included, they like, even when they take the sort of dark gritty route, they tend to try and put in like comedy and levity to sort of like give you a breath of fresh air a little. This movie, I don't recall having any intentional comedy in it. Like there are moments where I myself laughed, but they were more like, they weren't like actually funny moments. They were more just like so much tension and been put on something that like I sort of needed that release at like moments of like surprise. Yeah. It's literally like nervous laughter almost. Yeah. Like, or like, like laughter, just like, Oh, I I can't believe that happened kind of thing Mm -hmm. like that. And that's, that's a choice to not try and like put comedy to like keep people like, like invested or like to remove the tension. The tension is just kind of always there in this movie. You're kind of, it's kind of like it's not but it's not like a crushing tension like you do, you're not like stressed out the whole time like it's just kind of this thing that's always in the back of your mind like like this the riddler's out doing stuff like there's this plan we're trying to figure out and you as the audience get to actually sort of play along and have theories which is a great way to do a detective story mm-hmm. you can there are things in this movie that you can very much predict if, if you just kind of keyed into it, but it's not like anything obvious at the same time. Yeah. Also there, I think to a degree I do the thing about mystery movies or movies that have some kind of like something to solve. I like those to challenge me. This one is not the one where this is not the kind of movie where it's laying out clues that are very clearly like, so you could figure out what is going to happen at the end. Um, but it does give you, when you see certain clues, it does kind of make you think like, okay, what is this? Who is this? And it does get those gears turning. So I do appreciate that about this movie. And there are points where I'm like, Oh, I did guess that thing. Right. But you don't, it will not give away the end plot. You will still be like, wow, Whoa, this is what's going on. Kind of. And and it's like, not like it, like it culminates to a surprise, but not a twist. Yeah. Like, like a twist feels like sort of played out. Like, a twist is like a subversion of like everything you thought you knew, throw it out. This is more like everything you thought you knew is correct, but you just didn't see this part coming. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So at this point, I would like to say we're going to spoil the movie from here on out. So if you haven't watched it, please do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Go watch it without yeah. spoilers. Yeah. Um, but so uh, getting back to kind of the point that we jumped off from. Uh, just talking about that scene where the car chase with the penguin. Yeah. Car chase. He emerges from these flames, knocks the penguin's car over. So it's upside down. And then we just have the Batman walking with this giant scene of flames behind him and him silhouetted in his bat or his, his not his bat, his cape, ooh, his cape waving in the wind, uh, walking up. And this scene is so cool. Badass picturesque, amazing up until it just has him all the walk all the way up and then just, lean his face down and stare at the screen, our perspective being uh, the penguins and just stare at the screen for like one or two seconds. And I was like, that 
kind of ruined the coolness of it. We did not need to see his face just like slowly lean down and stare. And it wasn't like, you know, if maybe if there's something about his face that made it more intimidating, uh, which I don't think there was anything they could have done. It just did not feel good. I was like, why did they do that? We didn't need to see his face. They should have just had him walk up and like, you know, honestly, they should have just showed him like the walking up and we could have assumed what happened. We know he walks up and pulls him out of the car. Like we didn't need to see him walk up, lean down, put his face uh, into the camera. Like it's, it just didn't like, that was like a small failure right there for what comes off of an amazing shot. You kill it with that. See what's interesting about you having taking that issue with that sort of scene is that I did not have that problem. I, I like, I, it's kind of even hard for me to sort of imagine, like reimagine that specific moment to have an issue with it. Because for me, I actually had the problem with that car chase because that car chase felt like it went on a little long and like kind of had like too many, like too many points where like this could have been the end of the car chase, but they keep going and it just keeps going. And I felt like maybe like two thirds of the way through the car chase. I was like, okay, this is taking a while. Like, come on. Like, like it, it, and it felt like it wasn't going anywhere. And then the penguin basically causes this massive like wreck with these big rigs and stuff and like stuff starts exploding. And then I kind of, and then I remember the trailer and then I see him like, like turn on his like engine and like a ramp forms and we get him jumping all the wreckage and coming through the flames and despite me starting to get tired of the car chase that kind of saved that whole scene for me because it it works so much better than i thought it would watching the trailers like watching the trailers i was like oh it's flying flying through fire cool oh i wonder like yeah it looks like the city's on fire or something but like in the movie i like fully bought it and like it, it was really cool it's still not the best like car chase thing in a Batman movie, but it was pretty freaking exciting. Yeah. I, I want to say that. So uh, when I've seen a lot of car chases and different action movies, um, this, I, I think I a little bit agree with you. This one maybe went on a little too long. However, I think there was some interesting enough things going on in it that made it not too, too bad. Um, but I, I tend to agree with you that like car chases that just go on and like keep, there's just one in the new, in the newest born film. Not uh, one through three, but the number four that came out later. Is that the Jeremy Renner one? I'm, I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm not. I can't remember. Uh, I just know that I, I started watching that movie. Like, uh, I think I kind of like screen hopped after watching one movie and just went and dipped in there to watch it. Start watching it for a little bit. And it got to this car chase. Uh, it, I could be wrong about what movie it was, but I just remember there being this car chase that just went on forever. And it was so uninteresting. I was like, I literally got up and left at that point. I was like, this is <laughs> I don't want to see this anymore. And, and for me, like, like this is definitely like not a bad car chase at all, but the Batman car chase that comes to my mind is bringing up again, the dark Knight, uh, the whole like sequence with the, um, uh, laughter van that pulls out to say slaughter mm-hmm. and, um, uh, like that whole th- sequence ending with the Joker hit me thing. Mm-hmm. That's what that's the sort of like vehicle chase scene in a Batman movie. That's like per- 
perfecto sort of thing. The thing that that makes a car chase scene good is when you punctuate the chasing with uh, things that change it up. Right. Yeah. So it's got to be like, oh, you're you're going down straight street and then it's like crazy right turn or, you know, shoots a rocket launcher or and this, something. Yeah. This whole chase scene is just the two cars. And the only thing that ever varies it up is like sometimes they pretty much crash and stop and like vehicles around them react. But then they just get right back into chasing each other. And this super powered car never is able to catch up with the penguin like until the penguin's car is upside down. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a little like questionable. I also want to say that while it's kind of cool, uh, I, I don't, there's a, there's a choice that you mentioned, which is that a ramp forms. Uh, basically Batman is like surrounded by semi trucks that are now starting to collapse and totally fall. And all this chaos is going on around him. And it, and we just get this very brief glimpse as one of these trucks, that was like a you know a, a truck bed carrying cars has lost its payload and a and a ramp perfectly forms right in front of him yeah and he just boosts his way over it and I'm like Deus Ex Machina you just remove the agency yeah it's cool it, it it's it, cool it makes it, it and, and it explains yeah, you're it, right though but it, but it takes away from Batman being like oh I made a badass decision that got me out of this into uh, Providence literally Deus Ex Machina ramp was put right in front of you otherwise you just what ran into the side of this truck like because otherwise there was nothing it was literally a huge semi truck in front of him so it was either the ramp's not there and you die or or i assume his car is so powerful he just blasts through it i could see that but cooler when a ramp exists and and uh but i just didn't like that it should have been more like a ramp was there he saw it you know hit the gear backed up braked and then like swerved over to where it was or he or he or he shot like a uh, a bat grappling hook out of it and like pulled it and yanked it, you know, make it a little more Batman did this. And that's how he got over the ramp and not, it appeared magically right in front of him. Yeah. So that was, that was a poor, like for what ended up being pretty cool shot and scene. There's a couple of just little criticisms and comments there could have been better. Yeah. Uh, like the, the car chase is probably one, in my opinion, the chase up until he jumps over the fire is what probably close to the weakest part of the movie. I'd say the weakest part of the movie is how it ends and how it keeps ending mm -hmm. and it then it ends another time and then it gives another ending <laughs> yeah it does have a kind of run-on end that's Cause, interesting because because it's trying to pay off like how like it's trying to pay off a lot of things like batman is changed his like mind and now he's gonna say like like he's gonna be more in the light and he's saving the people the refugees like on top of the dome like we get that that would have been a good ending we get uh the riddler in arkham talking to the joker that could have been a good ending we get him and um uh catwoman like sort of having their like sort of goodbye to each other and that could have been an ending and then we get him like biking off and then that's the ending yeah we get multiple endings yeah and so in a way it's and yet i don't think we got closure to alfred we don't really i guess the closure of him is that uh, again we're already in the spoilers territory here but i think the closure for what we see with alfred is that you know bruce uh learns to i don't know like be more empathetic or he he expresses that hey alfred i know i don't treat you very well uh and and take you for granted maybe but you are one of the most important things to me you're the only yeah. thing i'm afraid of the only thing I'm afraid of is losing you. Yeah. So like, and it was like, 
This is the thing that made me feel emotion again. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, you know, that was maybe some closure in a sense. Like, I guess we had that moment and that was boom. The the crux, we, we see a, a deterioration of this relationship between him and Alfred. And here's where it's repaired in some way. So also uh, bringing in Alfred, another questionable thing is there are two separate times where an explosion goes off immediately, like in front of a person and they don't die. The first time is Batman like being right in front of an exploding collar and he does not die, but he does pass out and he's carried off to the police station where the entire time to the police station, no one takes the cowl off. <laughs> yeah. But then as soon as he wakes up, people try to take the cowl off. Now, now I will, I will give this one uh, is that we can assume Gordon is there with him the whole time. And maybe he's like, no, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Until there's a crowd of them and they're like, ah, maybe we should do it. Like, I mean, they put it, they put one man in the ambulance. Maybe it's only Gordon in the ambulance with them. Maybe you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Gordon though, um, again, on the same note of world greatest detective, really, I love this Gordon and Batman being, uh, they have a great repertoire together. Yes. They, yeah. They, um, uh, I don't, I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head, but he does a great job as Gordon. Yeah. I, I love it. I love how they work together. How in this one, it's, uh, like Christopher Nolan's commissioner, Gordon, uh, not always commissioner Gordon, detective Gordon, then commissioner later. Um, you know, that's a good Gordon that works together with Batman in a way, but this one is, this is a different kind of Batman interaction with people. Our, our Batman in many other movies is either he never interacts with people. Like it's always like, uh, you know, I get away before people are there or his, his interaction is very limited. Like in Christopher Nolan movies, Batman interacts with Gordon, but like, you know, it's still like, there's like a barrier between them. They like work together. It, it feels a lot more professional where I feel like at least this Gordon intends to be a little more like amiable with Batman. Like this Batman, this commissioner Gordon or Lieutenant Gordon I, I believe he ends the movie as commissioner. I don't know if it's explicitly said, but I don't know that it was. I don't think it was said or mentioned at all. I think he's just Detective Gordon, like almost the whole movie. However, I, we know that a commissioner is is killed yeah, uh, during and, the movie. Yeah. So a position opened up, I guess, maybe. And, you know, the last thing I think we see is that and Batman we see says, who the mayor is. So the mayor, like we see, like is allied with Gordon toward the end of the movie yeah so. he, he does again spoiler saves her life at the end like he pulls her after she gets shot like pulls her into safety so i could see her being like you yeah, yeah. you know you're you you be the commissioner now uh one thing one thing about this gordon though that is like he he does not appear to be a person outside of and and that's maybe just the nature of this movie not like needing to focus on that but like this gordon does not like is not a person outside of this. Whereas like the Gary Oldman, uh, Gordon like had a family and that was part of his character. This Gordon is like kind of, kind of almost seems as like dedicated and like on his job as Batman. Like it, it's like, all, like they're kind of like too, too very similar. A lot of the characters in this movie just serve as like reflections to Batman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing about how the story is built is that, uh, and I did not come up with this on my own. I can't, I, I watched uh, screen crush by with Ryan Airy and he highlighted sort of one of the great themes of this movie is that uh, Batman and uh, the Riddler are very much like very similar and they, and they tie them together throughout this movie. And one of the themes is sort of how Batman, you know, 
him trying to do good sort of has spawned a lot of like, you know, bad in its own ways. Like he's the one that gave the Riddler sort of the gumption to do what he did. We see these parallels between them, but how, you know, two, two different ways of approaching the same sort of ideal, which is like, we want to get rid of corruption and bad things in the city. And, and to the end, like Riddler does, you, you, you see the things happening and you even empathize with the Riddler more because though he's literally killing people and it seems horrific, he's killing like bad guys, like corrupt officials that have, you know, consorted to like distribute drugs in the city. Yeah. Like his plan was to sort of root out the evil, but then he sort of takes it too far. And that's the issue. Like a lot, a lot of what he's doing, like theoretically could be leading Gotham to a better place, but he then takes it too far. (sighs) Yeah. <coughs> um, and yeah, so, but, but I like the parallels that are drawn there. I would definitely check out screen crushes, uh, uh, sort of, um, talk about the Batman screen crushes. Great. Uh, I want to give them total props. I, I like to watch them for their Easter eggs every time. So something about the, so now that we're in the spoiler talk, let, let's discuss the Riddler. Let's discuss, when we get to see Paul Dano in Arkham sort of like having this revelatory conversation with, uh, the Batman. And I, I love this, the sort of, uh, the way that it, uh, handles the Bruce Wayne thing where he just starts saying Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, like, and, and you see the look on Batman's face and he's like, this dude's going to reveal my identity. There's a camera. People are going to, people, are going to find out that I, that the Batman is Bruce Wayne and like my, like I can't hide anymore. And he's just freaking out and he's just sort of coming to mental terms with this. And he's just like, like he has the mask on and you can still see like through his, just his eyes pretty much this like sort of like mental like thing. Yeah. Stellar acting right there. Like we are reading so much from literally a guy in a mask, just standing there staring. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's where you're, it's, it's done so well. You, that is a great point. Yeah. And, and we get Paul Dano sort of like just talking about like Bruce Wayne and his frustration with the Waynes. And then, and then it's revealed that he's just like frustrated that he didn't get Bruce Wayne. Not that he knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne. He just wants, he thinks Batman is his friend. Mm -hmm. And that, and this is the reveal that he kept like saying to the Batman because he was inspired by the Batman. And this is sort of the, the moment where the Batman, like, yes, I'm not like implicated as Bruce Wayne anymore, but Oh no, did I cause this? Am I the reason that the Riddler has caused all this like sort of like, like mayhem and stuff. And then we learn after that, that it's going to be worse. But so we get Batman, basically rebuffing the Riddler. And this is where we get the sort of Paul Dano performance that I was sort of hoping and expecting for, where he basically has this like, sort of like, like breakdown, like instant, like, no, 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 no. He's just like, he's just like, like, can't believe what he's hearing. He's like, it, it, and it's just such a good job. And it's kind of the thing, like, like you said, it feels like a Paul Dano uh, performance, but he does it so perfectly. Like, yeah, it fits, yeah. it fits what we understand about this character. Yeah. He's just a disturbed person who 
like has this idea, like, you know, thought he had this grand idea and it's just kind of cascaded and fallen around him. And, and, and this is also like the part of the movie where we just come to realize that dude's an incel. <laughs> like, like it's like not even super subtle. He's an incel and he has this incel community mm-hmm. and uh, he, he lets, he basically lets Batman know that there's another part of his plan that he hasn't figured out. And so Batman goes back to his residence and figures out the master plan to flood the city and then have his followers like shoot up all of the people collected in the dome in the center of town. Mm -hmm. And as we see the Riddler give his like final message to his audience, to his followers, it just feels, it feels too real almost like it feels like this is something real human people in the world might like fall into and believe and follow this kind of guy because it doesn't even need to be that many people. Like he only has like a couple hundred of followers and only like 507 was what it said on the thing. Yeah. 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 A few uh, like 500 or so followers. And then he only needs like a dozen or so to show up with guns and that's what he gets. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of power that, he's able to utilize because of the internet and because of this sort of like ingress community that uh, it, it allows to foster. And it's kind of scary because like, as you're watching the video, I'm like, man, this could just happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this movie is so grounded in like, it's, it's so very real. It's one of the most real Batman's like the fact that Bruce Wayne is a billionaire, that he's rich. The Batman we've seen here really is the most like not it's not like he's a billionaire so he has access to all these crazy gadgets and stuff it's like he has a really badass grappling hook he has really good armor he has one battering uh that's i mean he's the most like i i could be this batman you yeah know? i could save up my money and get badass armor and create my own like little batman suit and get a really good grappling hook that i can attach he, he doesn't have all these like weird super sciencey things. His car is just like a souped up, uh, you know, bulletproofed, you know, huge like jet engine type car. Yeah. It's not like, su- it's not like. The one, so the one technology he does have that is kind of like comes early in the movie mm-hmm. and it's kind yeah. of just like mind blowingly cool mm-hmm. is the video contacts. Yeah. He does have a, a video islands contact, which is a, uh, not even th- that's now this, this is like the, he's a billionaire and he can access, uh, you know, greater psychologists, but those things do exist. Those are actually real now. I don't know if they're that good, but uh, they do have uh, eyeglass, you know, video camera contact lenses. Yeah. And, that, yeah. But like ju- the way it's used, utilized in the movie, I think is very effective. And so all of that, like really lends to it being like this, this is real. Like this could be very much a real story. This isn't totally it, fantastical. And, and that is the thing. Batman feels realistic, but the Riddler feels like, of any like Batman villain, this is the most, this is a person who could actually, this could be done. A yeah. person could do this. Cause yeah. what does he do? He takes pictures and he likes breaks into people's houses and kills them. Yeah. Like he doesn't like, he doesn't even like always do it in like the most clean manner. Like the first kill we see him do, he just sort of like, like he makes a noise before he gets the guy. Like yeah. he's just like, uh, and, 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 and like knocks the mayor out mm-hmm. and like it, it really kind of crystallizes at the end that th- this is just a normal guy. Like a lot of what he does is just takes pictures of people. Yep. And I mean, yeah, it's just, I, I think it's just really well done. 
all these things. They really add together to create a story that's that you can connect with, that's believable, and and, and that really adds something to this to the, to what this uh, iteration of the Batman is. And it does weave in like a lot of threads too, because like we're not even touching on the like the whole Carmine Falcone like being there. There's this like two to three sort of storylines going on. One is figuring out what happened with the rat and the Carmine Falcone bust and the, or, or the, the bust within like the mafia that sort of set up the power structure that exists in Gotham after the death of uh, Thomas Wayne. And that's its own story. And then we also have the Riddler story. And then we also have this Selena Kyle situation where at first it's just, she lost her, presumably girlfriend person she's living with uh, that she keeps calling baby. So probably her girlfriend. Uh, And at first her mission is to just find her and hope that she's still alive. And then she's also this whole time sort of been working to try and steal money uh, from Carmine Falcone because he, he owes her because she reveals that it's his, it's her father, which like feels like it's just sort of like a shoehorned in thing, but it kind of makes sense. And it adds to like the sort of tension towards the end where he like Batman has to stop her from killing Falcone only for Falcone to end up dying anyways. But because, because of the way that they saved Falcone, that's the reason that they were able to catch the Riddler. Because if, if Catwoman had killed Falcone in his place, he wouldn't have been brought to the light and he would not have been revealed from his like sniper location. And he wouldn't have been caught at that diner scene, which again, I, I touched on how like a lot of the scenes in the trailer, I didn't expect to be so late into the movie, the diner scene, which is like the sort of catalyst of like the trailer is like right before like the last, like it's like part, part of the climax of the movie. I just agree with you. All these things are good scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. it's like, I don't know what to, what, what to say off of that, but I mean, yeah, everything you're saying is valid and good. And I agree. Um, it just, it, it, this all just adds to what we said before, which is that this is a good, like noir detective story that adds enough for you to like sit there and ponder and also be wrapped with attention. I just think, yeah, a three hour movie where the whole time I was sort of gripped and interested that's not that's not a common thing to just be like so engrossed in such a long movie for that long and just sort of be happy with it. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy with this movie. I agree. Yeah. Um, I want to touch on a couple like just small random things before because I, I don't know. If, I think we've covered many of the major topics to talk. talk yeah, about. There's, there's a lot to talk about in um, three hours of movie. Yeah. Um, a shot that I really liked the fight inside the club scene. There's this cool, like lots of flashing lights going on. And it's uh, again, akin to this, uh, the, the machine gun scene where it's like flashing lights illuminating, uh, in the darkness fighting kind of thing. Um, an Easter egg that I picked up on that I, I didn't, I haven't watched like a ton of other Easter egg shows, but you did tell me about this one, but I, I, that I think is an Easter egg. And I'm pretty, uh, is that Batman at one point, uh, you know, needs more strength. So he pulls out a, a syringe with some kind of green, like bulb on it. And so like a green liquid and he injects himself in an injection spot that's built into his suit. And like watching it, I'm like, oh, it's adrenaline. Which, yeah, easy assumption that it's adrenaline or amphetamine or something like that. Right. But I'm like in Gotham, you know, in the, the Batman universe, like 
uh, a green liquid that gives a person, you know, strength and Enhanced whatever ability is venom. So I was like, that's got to be I, I'm sure that that's venom of some sort. Right. Which, which to the those, those unfamiliar venom is the liquid that Bane uses to sort of like get swole. Yeah. Uh, not using the Dark Knight Rises version of Bane. But if you've seen the Batman and Robin Luchador, like he's getting pumped up with this venom. Yeah. So that's I, I, I think that that's probably a nod to that at the very least. It's a nod to it. Um, if not, it literally it in the uh, movie. And are there any like scenes or anything you want to comment on maybe before we move on? Like those are just ones that I had in my head. So we did. I, I did mention like in the ending that we got the Joker tease. Um, there's a Joker tease for yeah. this next movie. And so I never saw I did not see the Batman Begins prior to the Dark Knight. Like I did not get to have that Joker tease at the end of that movie. But I can imagine getting to the end of that movie, seeing the Joker and being like, "Ooh, yeah, we're going to see the Joker. But like. At the same time, feeling like, oh, we're going to see the Joker. Let's see how this turns out. And so I, I, I'm i stuck in this feeling of, like, I'm excited to see the Joker because he's always a good character. The Joker movie was good. Uh, Batman, the first um, uh, Jack Nicholson Joker did a good job. And, of course, Heath Ledger. Like, it, it's a character that really does kind of, like, lend itself to be entertaining and engaging. And, like him teaming up with the Riddler also sounds like a cool thing. Like we've never seen the Joker and the Riddler in a movie together before. So the way that their minds could work together uh, is interesting and promising. Also, a lot of the time in Batman movies, the villain dies at the end and, or like if they do show up again, it's in small parts. Like you get the scarecrow in the other Batman movies, but he never is playing a actual role so the the concept that riddler comes back is also kind of fascinating mm -hmm. but i'm also sort of apprehensive because i'm like this was such a complete movie that they did not need to sequel bait and it felt kind of weird mm -hmm. yeah this that's i was had this thought too with kind of that like ooh, could be a thing here i'd it'll be very difficult i would love to see them do a good sequel but I don't know. It's going to be hard. I, I I agree. This movie is such a good, like standalone in its way that like trying to sequel from this, I think they could flop it. Um, and I don't want to really see that. So yeah, it's, it's like if at the end of the Joker or Joker, I think that one didn't have a, the, uh, if they set that up for a sequel, that would have felt weird. I wouldn't, yeah. I, I wouldn't have wanted a sequel to that movie. Yeah. But in some ways it's like, I want to see more of this Batman. It's such a good Batman. Yeah. But but I don't want to. I don't want them to force a sequel, and I I'm, I suspect that if this Batman does really well, it's going to happen. Like they gave a lead off to it, and if this one does well, they're going to be like, "We'll do it again, more money." So, yeah, and um, I think it will do well. I yeah i I hope that if a sequel comes out, that they take the time to craft a, a story that's that can at least parallel or potentially be better. I mean, if you're going to have the Joker, you have good ammo for it to be very exceptional uh but again i think it this this movie sets it up in a way that it's it's iffy it, it could just be uh cash grab crap yeah so um i think that's most of what i have to say about the batman a minus 
truly enjoyed it really. And, and I know that in some ways it's very subjective too, is that this really connected for me. There's a lot of things I really liked about it. Like for what I would want from a Batman movie, this gave me a lot of those things. And that's why I give it a minus, but there are some criticisms yeah. to say and some interesting choices. And as much as I did have to criticize about it, I do, I do want to sort of finalize my score as an A for now, because it, it, it's hard to sort of like live up to the promise of what a Batman movie could be, but I still think that this does a good job at being better than a lot of Batman movies. If you're going to say a, then I might even say a two. Cause I like, again, I'm very like, slow to give uh, a higher grade and I have enough to, I, I guess I have enough to pick out of this movie, but I think it does what it set out to. So I would almost say A2. Yeah, like there's flaws, but like with a movie this big, there's bound to be like little flaws. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not perfect, but like the ambition that went into this movie, I think it really paid off. Yeah. And so I think we're going to do the ranking as a separate one. Uh, so, hey, maybe you've already heard the ranking and so you already know what our opinions are. But if not, we're going to release a separate uh, ranking of 10 Batman movies. Um, it's going to be nine live action ones and a, a single animated one. And uh, it won't. Well, well, let's just say that we're, we're about to talk about it. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, until next time. This has been Robert and Ryan and definitely listen to our top 10 Batman ones. But until next time. Batman. <laughs>